Welcome to the Shrink Think Podcast. I'm Aaron. And I'm Nathan. And we're both licensed professional counselors in Oregon here to open up our lives and minds with you. We'll share some of our experience as counselors, business owners, and most important of all, as everyday people. Hello, and welcome to today's episode. We are finishing off our two-part series on generational trauma called When Trauma is All in the Family. If you haven't already listened to the last episode, go back and listen to that. It's a kind of a precursor to this one, and we did split it. uh, We just recorded it in one long, continuous uh, time period, and then we split it into two. Um, So go back and listen to that one. It talks a lot about why we're talking about this subject, how it can be helpful to you, and what it is. And so this episode, the second of the two-part series, is going to focus on what is generational trauma, kind of more from a practical standpoint, and then what you can begin to do about it. So thanks for staying with us, and we hope you enjoy the show. Yeah, and what I see a lot, it's always surprising in some ways, but it's also not shocking at the same time, is we will talk about these dynamics and maybe somebody's got some level of awareness about these and they'll say, oh yeah, you know, I've set up some boundaries because I know there's toxic stuff going on in my family or with my mom or whatever, you know, Sarah's coming in saying that. But then, you know, a couple months down the road or wherever she's talking about, having a conversation with her mom and she says, oh yeah, yeah, I talk with mom about once a week or so. And I'm like, wait, what? You, This mom that you set some boundaries with, that's really toxic for you. You're talking with her about once a week. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then she just came for a visit. I'm like, oh, that's what happened. So when you got really dysregulated and you were having panic attacks a couple of weeks ago, it's because you had a visit with mom and People just don't realize the impact that being around the system where all the generational trauma exists really, you know, talked about that whole fear thing in the baby. It's like it activates all that stuff in your body and it starts coming up without your permission, without your awareness, because it's just built into your nervous system. And so that's the kind of crazy stuff that people might be like, I don't know why I'm so anxious or whatever. But when you start pinpointing, oh, there's this generational trauma stuff, and you're still connected to the people and the system that are in that, that might be activating it. There's this realization of, oh, but I, I want to be a part of them, or I want to be connected to them. I don't want to not have a mom or not have a dad, or just be completely isolated from my family. But I'm starting to see now how being connected with them does activate that stuff. And it makes me unable to function. I can't go to work. I can't think. I have to take a couple of days off or whatever. That's that's a really common thing for people. Yeah, one easy example for this from a systemic standpoint. So you've probably graduated from high school, most likely, if you're listening to this, and you went back to your 10-year reunion. It doesn't take long before you are operating the same way you did in high school with all these people that you just now showed back up with. And you are aware of it and irritated with yourself of how is this happening right now? I'll have to keep that in mind when I go to my 10-year reunion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll be looking forward to that for the next few years. Oh, my word. Such a young babe in the forest, aren't you, little guy, poor little feller? <laughs> yeah, no, but that's a, that's a great example. Um, I did go to a high school reunion, and 
it was not the 10 year. Um, and I remember seeing that it's like talking with certain people that I was so familiar with. It's like you fall into these grooves of like, ah, oh, yeah, like this is just so well worn. You know, we spent four years together and it's like you don't even realize that it's happening, but your body just takes over your mind, your emotions just fall back into those well-worn grooves. And so we want to talk about this so that you can hopefully um, put some, you know, some verbiage, some clarity to these things that you might be experiencing that we're speaking to that you might be able to say, okay, that's what this is. And I've never realized it, but I need to look into it. So Nathan, what can people do? Um, Like we said earlier, we're not going to solve all the problems, but we just want to point you in a direction. And maybe at some point we'll get into this more deeply on the podcast. But what are some kind of first initial steps people can take just to get some more information about trauma, generational trauma? Well, I mean, it can be as simple as just doing an internet search, to be honest. I would say there are two books that are really good on the subject of trauma. One in particular, you actually could probably do some healing on your own with, um, and it will even go into, if you're feeling like this, it's time to talk to a therapist. And that's called Waking the Tiger by Peter Levine. Uh, There's another book that is his seminal work by Dr. Bezel. Vanderkolk, German dude uh, out of Boston, and he's a speaking guy. He speaks on trauma all over the world, but he's written a book called The Body Keeps the Score. And in a way, it's kind of the work of his entire life really is in that book. It actually does a good job of explaining how PTSD, where it even came from, how the treatment like started, you know, and he worked with Vietnam War vets. And he, so he's able to kind of describe the changes in treatment over years. But one thing that clients will tell me is, whoa, that book explains me holy macadamia cookies. They usually like to say the cookie part, but still, it's kind of an overwhelming thing that self-awareness, when you start to realize, oh my gosh, it's not about me. Like my body's just doing this and it's, it's doing this to keep me safe and I'm not in danger right now. I mean, um, you're kind of, your body's living a bit historically. And so kind of understanding that, and there's treatments. I mean, the cool thing with trauma, I mean, it sounds weird to say that, but from a treatment standpoint, there are some very helpful treatments that we know now. EMDR is one, it stands for eye movement, desensitization, and reprocessing. These days, that's a bit of a misnomer, um, to be honest. And even Francine Shapiro, who was the inventor of that, would say that, um, Probably better described is what's called bilateral stimulation. I'm not going to get all the way into it, but just think of the brain, two hemispheres of the brain, and you're basically distracting both those hemispheres. Um, so there's that. And I, just to interject, um, the way I like to think about that is uh, mothers who are comforting <laughs> their babies will rock back and forth. Or if you've ever been anxious, what will you do? You'll pace, you know, sort of go back and forth, the right leg, left leg. It's, that's the bilateral, the two-directional stimulation that we're talking about, um, which can be auditory, you know, you listen to something, or you can see it um, visual, or you can feel it tactile in your hands. But it's that whole like back and forth thing that, that research, there's a ton of research on it. It's very well researched and, and demonstrated to be effective. Um, But it just calms and soothes that like activated fight or flight system so that you can reprocess stuff very quickly, very effectively. It's an awesome tool. 
Yeah, another one is um, somatic experiencing. I personally don't do that. I think it's really cool. That basically is the idea that there is energy stored in your body um, from the trauma of the past, and it needs to be released. In the book Waking the Tiger, Peter Levine, he's done pretty much the lion's share of research on this. You mean the tiger's share? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh, you're still here, Aaron. (laughs) But what's interesting is with that work is they don't really talk about trauma. They look at your body as you're thinking about trauma. And then they have you shift your body in order to try to release energy of how your body should actually be when it's having the thought. And that makes it maybe sound simple. And it's definitely not simple. Yeah, it's actually pretty wild. I remember I've done a little bit of somatic experiencing with folks. I remember one time uh, working with somebody with a car accident. Uh, We were talking about like this pain that she was having. Um, like this tightness from where, I guess, what happened in the car accident. And as we unpacked it, she was realizing that she wanted to put her, move her foot out to put on the, to step on the brake before the car accident happened. And, but she couldn't, it like got stuck or the crash happened too quickly or something. So like her leg or her hip would go into a lot of pain anytime she started thinking about this trauma. And I know this is not generational trauma we're talking about, but this is just how you treat trauma. Anyway, so we develop a plan to where as soon as she starts noticing that happening, she extends her leg in the motion that it wanted to go into before the crash happened. And she described it as like this cathartic experience where like I finally was able, like I've had this recurring, sort of like having this recurring dream and nothing that I want to happen ever happens. And then finally, I'm able to step on the gas. And my body just was able to relax and to release all of the like pent up or stored trauma because it got stuck at that point and was never able to extend the leg and step on the gas. That's like one of the cool things about how Peter Levine does his somatic work. Yes. And, and that's, that's a complete theory of therapy of how to come at in particular trauma. Another piece of therapy that that really goes with that is this therapy called internal family systems. And to be honest, it's probably the most direct route when you're dealing with intergenerational trauma in particular, because it, it honors, it just automatically takes into consideration your entire being when you're sitting there. Um, and kind of goes wherever you need to go, even if you actually don't know you need to go there, which is kind of really weird. And that's actually what we've been talking about this whole time is you don't know why you're stuck, but your system does. What's your system? That's you. And all of the little parts in there that are like, that like you know, if you think of the movie Inside Out, if you've seen that, all those little parts in there, the angry guy, the red guy, and that kind of thing. Um, same idea, but, and that's kind of internal family systems in a nutshell. So those are kind of the big picture type of, and there's other ones, there's other things, neurofeedback, there's other things out there, don't get me wrong. And so it kind of depends on what your flavor of issues are. But when you look at, if you decide to look up EMDR to circle back, what you're probably going to notice is that it's, it seems to be very specific. Like on, you gave the example, Aaron, of like a car wreck or something like and that's called acute trauma or single event based trauma. Like, it, you know, simply put, suckiness happened once uh, and it was bad. 
EMDR is extremely good at removing that. I mean, like in one session, I've treated uh, trauma like with a car accident or um, a personal assault in literally just one session and the person leaves. They come in feeling anxious and afraid and all keyed up and all that kind of stuff. And then by the time you're done, you know, you ask the question of like, okay, and if I were to say, let's think about this trauma one more time, you know, what do you notice? And they're like, eh, I'm kind of bored. Do I have to talk about it? Like, this is old news to me. And in one hour, you can do that. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. And it doesn't always happen in one hour. Um, but the reason why I said earlier that EMDR is kind of a misnomer and it needs to be called bilateral stimulation, I have successfully treated OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder with um, bilateral stimulation or EMDR over a longer period of time. It basically helps you process information at the speed of your own chemistry in the way that your brain needs to. So that's why I'm citing that this could be helpful in intergenerational trauma. Um, I just wanted to speak to that because I think if you do some research on it, you'll think, why is he talking about EMDR for something that's like generational? There's also something out there, um, this woman named Laurel Parnell, that she studied under Francine Shapiro, and she's been a trainer of EMDR for many years. She does this thing called attachment-based EMDR, which is pretty awesome, which I think would probably be more like when you have intergenerational trauma, where maybe there wasn't like active abuse, meaning like somebody hitting you or physically abusing you. But it was those like snide remarks, it was those subtle looks, it was the shame that you just picked up from a look or from a tone of voice. That kind of stuff is, it wounds your attachment and can create or transmit the trauma from one person to the next. Well, this form of EMDR focuses on that. It's pretty cool. So all that's to say, these are just directions that we want to give you um, in terms of some options or um, things to look out for. If this resonates with you and you're saying, you know, I think I'd like to look into this or maybe I'd like to find a therapist or find a treatment that could help me. These are the things you'll want to look for. You know, I want you to know, too, you're going to have to make I talked earlier about making a decision. I might I really have a lot of compassion for you if you're realizing this, because this is not a small situation. You are having to accept an entirely different reality, um, potentially. I mean, it sounds weird, but if, if you are with me right now, um, then you're with me right now. And take your time. It's a big decision to decide um, if you're gonna, what you're going to do with this. Um, it's a system-changing thing, but I will encourage you in this. It's not going to be overnight. On the one hand... That seems like lame and hard work. On the other hand, you know how change happens over a long period of time, and it can be doable, and you can find other people to help you. And, and, and I would say that in the midst of, like, this is a huge reason why just bringing up as an example AA, AA is really helpful because you're getting to be with a group of people that are all in the same type of process and they're all agreeing that they need to try to change something and they probably have similarities as far as what they're having to struggle with. And I bring it up only to say that there's probably other people out there that have got this going on. I don't, you know, I didn't do any research on this, but I wonder if there are actually are intergenerational trauma groups that would not actually shock me. And I would say, hey, I would reach out if there is any out there. Maybe we should start those there and here. That'd be kind of cool. You know, just as a side note, I remember when I was doing my internship at the uh, local county here, they had a like a surrogate trauma 
program, which was really fascinating. I think they were trying to do some research on it. I never followed up on where that went, but is it, it was essentially that, well, it wasn't a support group. It was more like somebody that hit, had trauma would connect with somebody else who had perpetrated trauma as a surrogate, and they would be able to connect together from their points of view and repair some of those things. Um, that's a little bit different from what you're talking about, but it's that idea that when you can connect with other people that are wanting to change and looking to do that uh, in the same way, that can be extremely helpful, both in normalizing the experience, but also in giving you the kinds of validation and connection and feedback that you've been wanting and needing from the people in your system that have been incapable of giving it to you because of their own trauma. You know, as we grow, the reality is, is that we are we are growing to be individuals a part in part of a family. And what's happening is, is that you have not been able to become an individual because your family keeps saying, nope, we don't do that. Nope, we don't do that. And you're coming to terms with having in order to be an individual, you might actually find yourself very alone and that's why I'm wanting to encourage you is that you really can't do this alone. You cannot make this change alone. Do not try to make this change alone. It would almost make more sense to just stay where you're at than if you're going to try to do it on your own because, because you, will, you will really experience a lot of isolation that way. You need other people to help. Even if you bring other friends in and say, hey, I think this is going on. And then they say something like, oh, no, duh, dude. I'm just kidding. I probably wouldn't say that if they're actually good friends. <laughs> you know, like, if they are saying that, maybe you ought to think, rethink your friends. Yeah. Um, but you can't do this on your own. So make sure that you get some help one way or another. Yeah. And let us know. Send us an email uh, through our website, shrinkthinkpodcast.com. And we'd love to hear your feedback. Or if you have questions, if you need some direction for yourself of you know any of the stuff that we're talking about, we deal with trauma all the time, and we would love to be able to give feedback to people who are looking for, you know, direction of, you know, where do I go for some of these resources or what might be my first step? Or, hey, can you speak to something on your podcast more specifically about this with regard to intergenerational trauma? We would love that. We want to be a resource for you guys because we support you and the work that you're doing. And we're so grateful that you tune in and let us be a part of your journey. Thank you so much for listening to this difficult topic on intergenerational trauma, but we hope that it's the beginning of a journey or maybe just an encouragement for you on your already started journey toward healing. Have a great day, guys. Thanks for listening to our show. Don't forget to head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts to leave us a review and subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also visit our website at www.shrinkthinkpodcast.com forward slash course and sign up for our free email course, Nine Ways to Overcome Fear and Self-Doubt. And you'll get nine weeks worth of customized, practical strategies you can use to get past the fear that's holding you back in your life. Thanks again for listening.